G'day, I'm Mark Pesci, and welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. This is an extraordinary episode on the state of the Australian startup. We weren't planning on being back until the beginning of February, but this week we'll see the release of the Startup Muster Survey, a topic custom-made for This Week in Startups Australia. In this show, we'll reveal and analyze the results of that nationwide poll exploring the why, where, and how for Australian tech entrepreneurs. So stay tuned. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by Fishburners, Australia's largest startup space with 90 startups working from one large building in Ultimo, including this recording studio. It's a nonprofit dedicated to supporting entrepreneurs and has a pitching competition open to the public every Friday afternoon at 4.30. Find out more at fishburners.org. Almost exactly a year ago, in February 2014, a call went out to Australian tech entrepreneurs asking them to complete a detailed survey about themselves, their startups, and their markets. An analysis of over 400 validated responses has been compiled into the Startup Muster and has given us a detailed snapshot of the Australian startup ecosystem. You can have a look at the whole survey by pointing your browser at startupmuster.com. I invite you to do that because we will be talking about that in detail. Here to discuss the findings with us today is Murray Herps. In addition to serving as the director of Fishburners, the sponsors of This Week in Startups Australia, Murray has spent the last several months analyzing the results of the Startup Muster Survey, the results being released today. So we're very pleased to have Murray with us here for the first time on This Week in Startups Australia. Welcome, Murray. My pleasure, Mark. So talk a little bit about the survey. What was the process? What happened? Okay, it looks simple. And you sit down and you start to figure out uh, what would we like to actually understand and how do we ask it and what's the methodology for the entire so thing? So half of the magic is in asking the right question. It's ridiculously hard. And my uh, my thoughts go out to anyone that has to do this normally. Uh, so we got some help. We had a statistician uh, and a uh, survey methodology expert uh, who, together with myself and Richard Kroon, worked for about two and a half months in total on just figuring out exactly what goes into the survey. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, looking at all the international surveys, finding the data points there that would be useful to compare to, uh, consulting with people around Australia that are running different organisations that need to know certain things, and uh, also designing the survey in a way that has any chance of someone answering 55 questions. So this is not just sort of pulled out of the whole cloth. This is really drawn from the best of what we understand about how to get a good survey about a good snapshot for the community. Yes. uh, It's been amazing as a result uh, to see about 53% completion ratio from first question answered to last. And that's 55 questions. It takes some time to answer all of those questions. About seven minutes on average. Oh, that's not too bad. Seven seven minutes. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's a a good thing. But you did get also 400 responses, which is a very good sampling. It's a statistically relevant sampling of the startup community. Yeah. You need to understand total numbers to figure this out. So we've had to make some guesses. But uh, with about that number of responses, we've got about a 4% margin of error in the major numbers. So it's, it's useful data. Okay, so it's useful data. All right, so let's start at the top. Can you profile for us the typical Australian tech entrepreneur? Okay. Brace yourself. Yes. Uh, We're bracing. Obviously, with 55 questions, there's a lot of uh, 
typical things to pull out of this mm -hmm. and, and insights. Uh, I'd say uh, I'll start with some surprises. Uh, in terms of female founders, uh, an increasing trend in that that's currently about 18%. It's obviously nowhere near enough, but it is tracking up from 16%, 17%, and, and 18% now. All right, so uh, we're talking about sort of um, one out of five roughly yeah. will be a female founder. That's not bad. It's, uh, it needs to get better, but that's not bad. It's uh, it's getting better. Fishburners has about 20% at the moment, and that's increasing as well. Okay, good. So uh, it's reflecting the average. The uh, the age. Uh, everyone thinks there's a kind of Mark Zuckerberg stereotype, and it's consistently in this, it's not the case. Mm -hmm. uh, so the most common age bracket was around 30 to 35 right. uh, for starting a startup. Uh, people under 25 were 6% of the founders. So I think that in itself is interesting and, and kind of points the way to a need for more effort from schools and other organizations to maybe encourage people to use their, their talents. So do you think that it's possible then to build a pipeline that will take people directly out of university into a startup? 100%. I'd start perhaps earlier than that. There's a hackathon running at Fishburners this weekend called uh, Initiate 48, which is high school students from Borkham Hills High. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's been amazing, about 60 people here all weekend working ridiculously hard. 60 high school students yeah, working yeah. all weekend building. Uh, and uh, you, you talk to them and I just keep being impressed and I keep feeling old, uh, but there's talent. <laughs> all right, but let, let now, as, as someone who started a company at age 48, which I think is represented at around about 6% of all of the founders, I took a look at that, I, I felt, okay, I'm on the high side of things, but actually not terrifically on the high side of things. Mm. There's this bump at around age 30. It is similar from my own experiences around the point that someone might decide that they're going to go to a postgraduate school, right? That mm. they might go get a business degree or they might get a film degree, whatever it might be. So it seems like it's a similar thing that people have been out working for a few years have kind of realized what they like what they don't like how hard they want to work and that's when they make the decision to become a tech entrepreneur yeah absolutely yeah that was a another interesting thing the uh 84 of founders that had a uh, university degree of some kind with a kind of even split between uh, postgrad and undergraduate Really? So we, we do have a lot of people who are coming out with M MBAs or PhDs who are actually out there starting. Yeah, absolutely. If you've had this kind of stressful, high expectation career, right. uh, there's a lot of burnout, maybe uh, people leaving that career and saying, I'm, I'm going to do something for myself. I don't want to be like there's doctors and lawyers and, and people that have had great careers, but this yeah. can't do it for the rest yeah. of their life. Well, a dear Schiffman who has an MD and yet is running catapult sports right now is sort of one of the <laughs> classic cases of this. All right. So we know that these people maybe in their early 30s are going out and starting up businesses where... Are they starting these businesses? Where are the real beating hearts of the startups? Okay, uh, there's a few surprises here. New South Wales has about half of the startups around Australia. I expected that, but I'm from New South Wales, so that's right. uh, maybe my. But part. this is, you know, for, for we New South Wales is around thirty percent, close to thirty percent, twenty-five, thirty percent of the population of all Australia. So we're disproportionate, about two to one, represented, overrepresented in the startup sense. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of a lightning rod effect, I think, as well. Uh, this Are we getting to that virtuous cycle of so much startup activity that it's attracting more startup activity? Uh, I, I think so. Uh, at Fishburners, we've had uh, six months of consecutive record months for new members, mm -hmm. uh, and January is looking at about 40 new people that have uh, been brought into the space. Uh, so early stage is usually one or two people, and uh, that's that's 
we couldn't have thought that could happen a year ago. All right. So if New South Wales is overrepresented, is there anywhere in the country that is underrepresented? Yes. Uh, people aren't going to like this. Victoria. Uh, 13% of the startups around Australia and Queensland uh, slotting in above them at 18%. And Queensland does not have nearly so many people. So yeah. so you're talking about a metro area that's almost the size of Sydney, 4 million people in Melbourne, 4 million people in Sydney. There's only 2 million-ish in Brisbane right now. And that's, of course, uh, you know, but we, we've probably all heard of River City Labs. Yeah. We've all heard of York Butter Factory, probably. These are the, these are the places that we know of. But what's really interesting in, in episode three of series two of This Week in Startups Australia, I'll be talking to Scott Hetzecker, who is the head of Startup Victoria, because he has seen the real need to build a founder-centric culture in Melbourne if they want to be able to get their numbers up. Yeah, that's a fantastic initiative on their part. I think it's River City Labs was going down that path a little bit earlier. And I think the, the support of uh, Steve Baxter and the other people around it has really... I think, played a big part in the kind of numbers they have. So which universities, are, are universities acting as feeders here for these folks? They are. Uh, it's uh, in a different data set. You look at uh, the accelerated companies in Australia, mm. uh, and about 30% of those are in university programs. Right. So that seems maybe a little high, but uh, it's natural, I think, to grab them at that point when they're considering trying to find a job uh, and teach them that, no, you can make your own job and make jobs for other people as well. Okay. So which, which universities are in the top of the leaderboard for feeding tech startup entrepreneurs? Well, that's a surprise too. Uh, if I had to guess, I would have said UNSW, uh, but it turned out in this data, it's uh, University of Sydney uh, is number one with 8% of all the founders uh, that took part in the survey. Okay. And who are two and three on this? Uh, two and three are UTS and uh, Queensland University of Tech. Okay. And th that's not really so. So you think Uni Sydney and uh, UTS are both within a 10 minute walk of where we are right now? Yes. Right? Yes. And so, and th so the. There may be some correlation, not that one is necessarily producing the other, but that they're, they're actually all clustered together and that this may become a sort of creative cluster around startups. And so that because there's so much startupness in the area, whereas UNSW is over in Kensington, it's the other side of town. It's not as linked in. Is that perhaps one of the reasons why? Now, where does UNSW rank on this chart? Uh, they weren't in the top 10. Wow. Uh, if, and... We do need a bigger data set to really make this effective, but uh, because in that particular question, some people had some confusions about where did you go to university, meaning which location. So right. some people just said Sydney, and that's been taken out. Okay. Uh, so it's about 200 of the responses that actually went into this. So still 200 startups with 8% of the founders going to University of Sydney. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. This is Mark Pesci. I'm the host of This Week in Startups Australia. Just as we put out our last episode in 2014, episode five, one of our listeners sent around a screenshot of iTunes, and he was showing us that we had shot up the charts to become the top tech podcast in Australia. Felix and I are incredibly grateful for the support that you have given us over the last several months. And we want you to know that you ain't seen nothing yet. On the 3rd of February, This Week in Startups Australia will launch Series 2. 
It's going to be 12 fortnightly episodes with more interviews with the founders and funders at the front lines of the Australian startup ecosystem. They are going to be offering up their hard-won advice to help you make your startup a success. And we're starting off with a bang. Episode one features Canva founder and legend Cameron Adams, who tells us how companies can lose their way when they forget about designing for their customers. And then we're going to be joined by Craig Blair. He's a partner in Airtree VC. Those are the new kids on the block. And Craig has some very tough but really important advice for startup entrepreneurs who are looking for that Series A deal. Episode two is going to focus on connected labor, and that's something that's changing every aspect of the economy. So we've got Jen George. She is the amazing, incredibly well-spoken, incredibly bright 24-year-old CEO and founder of OneShift. And she's going to tell us how she's managing 4,000% year-on-year growth. And then This Week in Startups is going on tour. We're talking to entrepreneurs in Melbourne, including Scott Hensecker, the founder of Startup Victoria. As we've learned from the startup muster, Victoria has to double down to punch above its weight in the Australian startup ecosystem. And making that happen is Scott's driving vision. So all of that and much more is coming up on the 3rd of February. We hope you'll tune in, you'll subscribe. We hope you'll tell your friends to listen to the second series of This Week in Startups Australia. And we're back. I'm Mark Pesci. I'm talking to Murray Herps. And we are going through the Startup Muster, the great big survey of startups in Australia. You can take a look at it by pointing your browser at startupmuster.com. All right, Murray, welcome back. So what kinds of things are these startups working on? Okay. This, we tried to set up some kind of industry category question, and this took a lot of time and we ended up throwing it away uh, to leave it open-ended to allow, because we thought we can't figure this out. There's so many categories of startups. We'll leave it open-ended. We'll try to cluster and analyze that later on to make categories for the next survey. And the what we got back from that is 400 different responses that are vastly <laughs> different to each other. and 400 different pitches, basically. It's, really? And it's... So it's it's very, very hard to, to pin down. Uh, for this one, uh, we will be running the survey again as part of releasing this mm-hmm. result. Mm-hmm. Uh, we figured if we've got that many people coming to take a look, it's the perfect people that we want to be adding. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you, so there's going to be a follow-up, there's going to be an, a new... Uh, a new a new one coming out really soon, basically on the heels of this one, which will be a year after the last time you polled. Hundred percent. This time around, we'll try and get something out part, partially uh, earlier, right? Uh, but the full thing, obviously, okay, so, a year from now. So, listeners, when you go to startupmuster.com, make sure you check out the fact that you can take the survey and take the survey so that we can get as much good data as possible, so that Murray can go and spend some more months analyzing it yeah, <laughs> and feed it back to you. Yeah, but especially uh, if you feel kind of underrepresented or feel like uh, something's been missed and that really needs to be represented. So uh, please take part. All right, then let's let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about money. How successful are the Australian tech startups at raising funding? Okay, not very. Um, Why does that not surprise me? I'm trying to find the numbers. Yeah, uh, get get the numbers, but I I have to tell you I am not really shocked to hear that. (laughs) Okay, so here we go. 14% of Australian startups tried and successfully raised funding. Uh, so you look at this, this 18% in total basically couldn't 
raise the funds that they needed. Uh, so you look at those startups and think, okay, there's 18% of startups that probably aren't going ahead. Right. Uh, we still have to do more comparisons to other markets. Mm-hmm. But uh, this anecdotally from working at Fishburne, it's the number of fantastic opportunities that I see lost because uh, they've put too much effort into fundraising or this couldn't get someone to see the vision. Uh, it, it seems high. Okay, so... Of the companies that are getting funding, where is that funding coming from? Uh, two surprises. Uh, 19% funded by family and friends. Right. So that's, that's kind family, of expected. Family, friends and but, fools, as we call it. Yes. <laughs> but uh, also 15% from some kind of public grant. So uh, government digging deep and giving money for a right. startup to go and, and do something. Right. Maybe Commercialization Australia before it got killed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's... it's there's still a lot of grants around that yeah. uh, $15,000 MVP grant uh, from New South Wales is fantastic. Right. Uh, but uh, no one gets up and, and boasts about getting government funding. They'll get up yeah. and, and yell uh, about a, a seed investment. But right. the government is doing a lot and having an impact, and uh, it's just being recognised here. Okay, so you're getting some of that. How much of it is actually coming from what we would think of as angel investors? I'd say uh, private capital, about 60%. 60%. And, uh, and 10% overseas private capital. Okay. So uh, that's surprising as well. Uh, there are, as you know, a, a lot of companies, uh, sorry, funds that are paying attention to Australia, mm-hmm. and it's increasing as well. Uh, it's an arbitrage opportunity there. Yep. That the valuations are lower, and, and there's world-beating startups coming out of Australia. All right, so how much funding are each of these startups getting, the ones that are getting it? How much money are they getting? I love this graph. The kind of uh, different bumps of uh, funding amounts uh, that establish a typical seed and a typical lay round in mm-hmm. Australia. And the typical seed is around the $200,000, $250,000 mark. Right. Uh, and uh, a typical A is about $1 to $3 million. Right. Okay, so so how many companies are getting the seed rounds? How many? What percentage of companies are getting the A rounds? Uh, okay, eight uh, percent. We're at that two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollar mark, uh, with another seven percent either side of it. Okay, uh, so called out, you know, fifteen percent. Okay, uh, and roughly the same around the A round. Right. Which is surprising as well. Yeah, that is very surprising because you don't really hear about A rounds that. I mean, when you do hear about them, they're news because they really mm-hmm. do tend to be rare unless people are just being quiet about it. That's what comes from doing this kind of thing. The number of things that you look at and mm-hmm. go, that can't be right. What's going on there? But that's where that's what you want. You want things that make you think uh, uh, something unexpected. Yeah, you want data that's going to confound your expectations because yeah. it's it, it, that's important information. Okay, um, we know where the funding is coming from. Now let's sort of talk about where the funding is going. That's the talent. Now, how many, what does the average startup look like in terms of its founders and how many employees that it has? Generally, uh, it's around the two founder mark, most commonly. Right. Uh, In terms of total employees uh, outside of founders, it's an average of three employees Mm -hmm. with a median of one. Uh, So if you picked any startup, the most common scenario is one employee, uh, the average is three. And this kind of happens because the skew of a scalable company is lots of smaller companies and a couple of massive companies that that blow the numbers out, uh, which is uh, good and bad. And, And what are the folks doing in these companies? 
surprisingly, it's mainly tech. But in terms of founding teams and their skills, I mm. think it was 77% thereabouts in having technical skills in the team, which it seems high for Australia, but it also seems low for someone that's trying to leverage technology to create a scalable company. Right. It seems like that should be a day one kind of thing. Uh, but... No, it doesn't. And where is uh, design skills in this? It's not in there. It's, it's right, this is really fairly lacking. In episode one, we'll have Cam Adams talking about Google Wave, for example, where he was the one designer out of 50 engineers and how that product essentially fell over because you could never really tell what it was because it hadn't ever been designed around solving a specific problem or for a specific need or for a customer. And so are we getting companies that are producing great technology but aren't able to connect with the customer because they haven't designed. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, it's like 60% of companies that said their uh, major problem was customer ac acquisition. It was the number one reported problem ah. uh, it, internally inside the company. Right. So and is this how that looks well, from the other side? Well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's more around if your major problem was uh, UX or... or um, finding a better product market fit, then maybe customer acquisition wouldn't be the number one problem. So how are these companies doing? Are they getting revenue? Are they getting traction? Yes, about half getting revenue in the previous year to the survey. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, 4% uh, over a million dollars. That's really good. And uh, again, the startup skew where you've got massive numbers at the end, uh, in total revenue from all the people that took the survey, $185 million. Okay, so f for the 400 companies that were in the survey, $185 million in revenue, roughly half a million dollars per company. Yeah, but so the average is skewed, but the median is, is a, a much lower number. All right, and so you have companies that are actually making money. Are they making that money here in Australia are they making that money internationally? This was surprising too. Uh, in terms of export percentages, 56% uh, had no export revenue. Right. And Which is interesting because I have so many VCs sitting where you're sitting going, we need companies that are focused internationally uh, that have that that have those revenue streams that have that plan. Uh, this was a real shocker for myself. I just... Uh, 18% had over 50% in export revenue. Okay. Uh, and it also ties in with another one that said, uh, estimate your market size. Uh, and for that, the the number that said under $10 million... Which is, which is a lifestyle business. That's not a technology startup. Absolutely. 27% uh, at under $10 million addressable market. Right. And you think with the failure rates of startups and the risks that you're taking and the amount of work you need to put in, you're not saying I have to have billions of dollars, no. but you need to aim for something that's a little uh, worth the trouble. All right. To sum up now, what areas do the startups feel that they need help with? Okay. This was the absolute most important question because uh, that's what I spend my whole life doing at the right. moment. Uh, the top three things uh, in terms of external problems for the startups. Uh, number one was availability of private funding uh, with 40% uh, of the startups okay. having trouble there. So building the capital pipeline. Yes. Uh, about the same percentage said availability of talent. Okay. And uh, number three, 35% was availability of government scholarships and grants. Ah, Which okay. is surprising too. So... The, the fourth one was far below. So the top three problems, I feel, are things that... Uh, government Money, talent, and government assistance, yes. it sounds like. Are, are things that government is already helping a lot with, mm -hmm. but they can make such a difference from here in, in the simple changes that would make a big difference. Uh, for example, the availability of talent. This 
starting programs to get people onto this path at an earlier age, uh, curriculum changes to support them in that kind of journey once they do decide to go down that path. Uh, there's a lot of data to show that female involvement in IT increases if you can get in early enough and put them on the path. Uh, and it also ties in with visa laws and, and getting people into the country. All right. When the startups look at themselves, what do they see as their weak spots? It's a funny mix in here. That Number one I mentioned before was uh, customer acquisition. 60% of startups said that's a yeah. main problem they have. And that's lovely. I, I love the kind of focus of that, of I, I want to make some money, I want to build something that people care about. So my number one problem is finding those people and making sure they're right. uh, satisfied. But it may also be a sign that your product is actually not fitting the market need. It's exactly. always one of those things where you don't know if it's a problem with sales or it's a problem with the product. Exactly. Uh, number two is is the finances internally and this how that works. And that's a, a symptom of the lack of funding. Uh, product development was number three. Mm -hmm. uh, being too busy was tied for number three. <laughs> yes. uh, not a big surprise. And, and a few others down that you would expect below that. But uh, the too busy, I think, it ties in with funding as well and talent availability. It's the talent that is in here working very hard has to work even harder to try and make up for those. All right. What are your final thoughts? What have you learned? What leapt out at you during the survey? I've learned don't do this as a side project. <laughs> this... Uh, I'd, apologies for uh, the delay in getting this part of it out. I was hoping to get some uh, data out sooner, but uh, I got married. I've taken on uh, the Fishburners roles, and uh, I'm sorry to my wife for the last four months of my weekends that have gone into finalising this and getting it out, so thank you, honey. But uh, really what I've learned is that there's amazing numbers in here in terms of export revenue, which could be improved, but it's still significant mm -hmm. investment, job creation, uh, and everything that you would want from the startups is happening. And uh, they've got their head down and they're working really hard and they don't tell anyone, but it can be seen here. So you're telling us that the startup muster is a good news story? Uh, it wasn't trying to be, but it uh, has ended up being. Mario Herbst, thank you very much for being on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you. I'm a big fan of Eric Ries Lean's startup methodology. The cornerstone to that methodology is measurement. What you can't measure, you can't improve. The startup muster shows us both the strengths and the weak points in Australia's startup ecosystem. Much of those findings confirm what we already know, but they give us the data that allows us to track changes and measure progress. We need to build a pipeline that gets great startups going, gets them capitalized, and helps them grow. And we can do this because we now have measurements to guide us. Many thanks to Murray Herps for coming onto our show and sharing the results of the Startup Muster. Once again, you can read the results for yourself at startupmuster.com. Thanks to Felix Warmoth and AnalogCabin.net for his hard work putting together this podcast in just 24 hours. You can find behind-the-scenes photos of This Week in Startups Australia on our Tumblr at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. On our Tumblr, you'll also find links to the Startup Muster Report, a SoundCloud of this podcast, lots of other goodies. Once again, that's twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. We'll be back in a fortnight with Series 2, Episode 1, featuring Canva's Cameron Adams and Airtree VC partner Craig Blair. 
Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.